us. If you have your Bibles today, will you turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy? First chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to be read to you from verses 6, 7, and 8. If you're not familiar with the text, it will almost seem obscure, but I believe um, the Lord wants to speak to us today through this. I want to talk to you about purpose. The title of the message today is called Take the Land, really about never getting stuck. And so read with me in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says, The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, and he said, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. I want you to, to hang your hat on those words today. You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain and the mountains and the lowland and the south and the sea coast and the land of Caban and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them to your descendants after them. If you will, pray with me, church. Father, I pray that today we would make much of you as we've already felt your presence in worship. We've already experienced the goodness of God and saying praises to the King of every king. I pray, God, that that presence would stay in this room. It would saturate this room. I pray over the next few moments together that you would give us ears to hear, a mind to comprehend, a heart that's willing to change. And I pray, God, that you would use me in spite of myself, in spite of my fears, my failures, and my shortcomings. And today, God, may we walk out of this room saying one thing, the presence of God changed me forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. The church said? Amen. Amen. I want to start off by saying one thing to you. Regardless if you have come to this realization about your life, regardless if you have understood this or not, this next statement is the reality for every person that is in this room. You are the solution to a kingdom problem. God has made your life. He has created you with your experiences and your background and, and your quirks and, and your niches. And all of that is for one purpose. He has created your life to be the solution to a kingdom problem. I've been taking the staff at our church there in Cape uh, through a teaching a few weeks ago. I don't have time to teach all of that to you today, but but the idea was this, that if you had three concentric circles, you would have your past, you would have your pain, and you would have your passion. And where those three circles overlap, you would find your purpose. That your past, things from your past, the pain you've experienced in life because God wastes nothing, and then the passion that he's placed inside of you leads you to your purpose, and your purpose helps you to understand the solution that you are to a kingdom problem. Your life is full of purpose. The purpose of your life is to solve a problem in the kingdom. And so you say, well, what is purpose? Purpose defined is, is the reason for which something exists or is done, the reason that something is made or used. Another word that you can almost interchange with that is it's God's dream for your life. It's God's dream for your life. What is the dream that God has given you for your life? Chances are you'll fall into one of two categories. You know your God-given purpose, you know the dream that he has for your life, or 
You're trying to figure out the dream. You're trying to figure out the God-given purpose. Most people fall into one of those two camps. I, I know what God has called me to do. I know how I'm gifted in my passion, and I'm pursuing that. And, and then the other camp in the room is saying, I, I really desperately want to know. I'm trying to figure it out. I want to make sure that my life makes an impact. If you know your God-given purpose and you know the dream he has for your life, then you understand the joy and the fulfillment that accompanies that knowledge. You know the satisfaction that comes from being able to chase after the dream that God has for you. What you have to be aware of that I believe today's text will teach us is that if you're not careful, you can get stuck. That, and I, I want to put it this way, a, a half-fulfilled purpose is still an unfulfilled purpose. And just because you know God's dream for your life and you've pursued it for an amount of time or, or through certain seasons or through certain situations does not mean that if you don't stay passionately in pursuit of that, that you won't get stuck in the middle of it. And if you've only done half of it, you've still left it unfulfilled. For those of you who are in the other camp and you say, I'm just trying to figure it out. Uh, maybe I'm new in my walk with God or maybe I'm just getting to understand some things about myself and I'm trying to figure out what's God's dream for my life. I want to remind you that God has a purpose for every single person he creates. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 57, he said, I cry out to the most high, the psalmist did. And he says, to a God who will fulfill his purpose for me. Psalm 139 describes line after line the intricate detail that our God goes through when he creates us. In the 16th verse of Psalm 139, we read, You saw me before I was ever born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. What did he say? I knew what I was going to do with your life before it ever came here. I knew my plan for you. I knew my purpose for you. I have, I have so strategic and divinely planned out life. You see, your purpose has already been determined. God has already made up his mind on what he wants to do and who he wants to do it through. And you have to understand that if God has made up his mind, nobody can change it. It's good news for me because I can look over the resume of my life and I can give you a list of reasons as to why I should be disqualified from God ever using me to do anything. But God did not wait for me to give him a resume to decide he wanted to use me. He designed me and he made me and he picked me and he determined his purpose for my life before I was ever even in existence. And the same is true for you. There's nothing in your life that you have done that disqualifies you as long as you have repented of your sins and asked for God to come into your life. He will use you, and he has a purpose for you. But just in, so, so God has made up his mind. Nobody can change it, but you do have an option. You have a choice in the matter. You have the opportunity to make a decision. Will you participate? Because although he has a dream for your life, he's not going to force it on you. If you're going to participate in God's purpose for your life, then you have to discover it. Because purpose is determined and then it's discovered. I would venture to say that many of us are in the discovery purpose of God's plan for life. We are in that discovery stage. I'm trying to figure it out. Maybe I have an understanding of some things, but I'm still not 100% sure. I've got to, to, to try to discover what is God's purpose for my life. And our greatest trouble comes when we get frustrated with the discovery of our purpose and we start dictating our purpose. 
So I'm trying to pursue God's dream for my life. I'm, I'm praying and I'm, and, I, and I'm spending time. I've gotten plugged into a small group and, I, and I'm showing up to Bible studies and I'm growing and I'm asking God, what's your plan for my life? And, and, but I'm getting frustrated because he's not telling me the way I think you should tell me. He's not showing me the way I think you should tell me. And so instead of, instead of trying to discover it, I'll start dictating it. And what happens is we get Abraham with an Ishmael. Because Abraham got a promise. He found out his purpose was to be the father of many nations. And he had a promise that, that his wife Sarah would bear a child. But it took a little longer than he expected it. And so he took matters into his own hands. And what happens is when we take matter into our own hands, we get in trouble. It, you, you know, so, so we choose to be God. We decide our own paths. We use our charisma. We use our gifting. We use some of our, our people's skills, and we quit pursuing God's plan because it's not working out the way we thought it would, so we'll take care of it ourselves. And after a season of that, what happens is we find ourselves in trouble. Our relationships are broken. There is pain because of the things we have created. And then we have the audacity to ask God, where did this all go wrong? You, you see, we... God, where did you go? God, I thought you had a dream for my life, and he does, but we took matters into our own hands. Twice, Proverbs teaches us that there is a way that if we, that if we go our own way, it will lead to death. And so my goal this morning is to do one thing, is to encourage you in the process of discovering your purpose. And maybe if you're in that camp and you say, I I've gotten a little frustrated. I had a dream I had a promise. Uh, maybe I had a prophecy. Maybe, maybe one time God spoke something to me about my life or about my kids or about my marriage, and, and it's, not, it's not come to pass. I want to speak one thing to you morning. I want to remind you that there is no expiration date on the Word of God. And just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean that it won't come to pass. And I want to help you to not get frustrated and start dictating your purpose. I want to help you to discover your purpose. And I want to tell you there is, there is always preparation for purpose. There is always a season of preparation. God does not show you your purpose and then throw you in the middle of it at the same time. God is a God of process. You say, well, how do you know that, Chad? How do you know the, the way that God is? Because in the Bible, I've seen that God did ten plagues. And I, have to, I, I always read with an inquisitive mind, and I thought, God, couldn't you just done it with one? Why did you have to do all ten? Right, could, you not, could you not have started? You knew which one was going to work. Matter of fact, there was a lot of times in there I think the others would have worked, but God said, the Bible says that he hardened Pharaoh's heart and didn't let it work because he knew there was something else. There was, because there's something about the process that teaches us things about ourselves, right? And, and, and one of the things about process, process will always lead you to a greater appreciation. Well, how do you know that? Because in the book of Isaiah, we are 700 years later in the book of Isaiah, and you know what they're calling God? That's the God who delivered us out of Egypt. It's been 700 years, but it was 10 plagues, and that 10 plagues led to an appreciation that if God had just snapped his fingers and given them what they asked for, they would have never appreciated it. I heard, a, I heard the story of, a, of Bishop T.D. Jakes one time. There was a guy that said, Bishop, will you lay hands on me, and will you pray that I get double of your anointing? And the bishop said, yeah, I'll, I'll pray that. And he laid hands on him, and he said, Lord, I pray he goes through double the hurt. I pray he goes through double the hell. I pray he goes through double the pain. And the guy said, ho, ho, what, what are you doing? And he said, if you want double of what I have, you have to go through double of what I've been through because you can't get it and not appreciate it. And you see, there's, there's, a, there's the process always leads you to appreciation. It's the difference between the vehicle you bought and the one your mama and daddy bought you when you were 16. 
I remember that 97 Jeep Grand Cherokee that Mama and Daddy gave me when I was 16. I remember the fields it tore up. I remember the donuts that it made. I remember I'm, I, I tractors had to pull me out. I, I got stuck in my friend's daddy's field one time, and I had to call him, and his daddy had to go get a tractor and pull me out. And you know what? I, no, no, teenagers don't do that, okay? I don't. Don't condone any of my activities from my youth, but but right you know right now I got I drive a nice F one fifty with twenty inch ballistic rims and big mud tires, and she's my pavement princess. We the only time we get off the pavement to go on the mud is during hunting season with a purpose, right? Well, why why don't you treat that vehicle like you did that other vehicle? Because I make the payments on this one, and I have went through the process of appreciation. I know what it takes to put the keys in that ignition, right? You see there. And when you understand the process, you get a greater appreciation. That's why God is a God of process. Because he's always trying to get you to understand that you have to appreciate what he does in and through your life. God provides a process in which he prepares you for your purpose. In our text, Israel, they are in Mount Horeb. It's also commonly believed to be Mount Sinai. The mountain was a a great place of training and preparation. The promised land was their purpose, but Mount Horeb was their training ground. So God has delivered them out of Egyptian slavery. He has given them the promise of Canaan, the promised land, and they are stuck in between. They are not in slavery anymore, but they are not in the fulfillment of their purpose. They are in the middle. They are in the process of discovering their purpose, this portion of Scripture, is after they've been exiled from slavery, they have journeyed for three months. They have found themselves on Mount Horb, and now they have made camp. They have decided we are going to rest. The ten plagues were taxing, uh, all that stuff with the Red Sea that was a little bit stressful, and so we're going to chill out. We're going to catch our breath. We're going to get our bearings about us, and so they make camp on the mountain. They've been there two years. Their life on Mount Horb was actually pretty nice. It was rather pleasant. They were fed by the Lord. Uh, you know, he was giving them manna. He, he, was, uh, he was giving them their clothes and their possessions never wore out. Uh, they had rest from their travels. The Lord was covering them uh, uh, as, uh, as the, uh, a heat um, by, or by night, and he was a pillar of fire to warm them. He was a cloud by day. And so, so they had everything they could have wanted. And for two years, they have lived in this peaceful existence on Mount Horeb. God has been speaking to them. They have caught their breath. And after two years of, of this time of preparation, God shows up and says, okay, now you have to move. Now you have to go do something. And what happens to all of us in this room as Christians is we can get our own Mount Horeb experience. God can deliver us from some stuff. He can do some things in our life. He moves us down the road a little bit. He shows us our purpose. And on the way to our purpose, we find a place of rest, a place that's actually pretty nice, and we get stuck. We like to stay there. Mount Horeb is a Construction, learning, building. It's a time of repairing what God has in store for us. But it's not the end all of what God has for us. You see, Mount Horeb is always meant to be a transitional experience. It's a transition from the life we used to have to the life that God still has in store for us. And no matter how enjoyable our time on the mountain is, there will come a day that God comes and prods all of us and says, you can't stay here any longer. You can't get used to this. You can't get comfortable here. This is good, but this is not the fulfillment. And the truth is, 
if you study the scripture and if you read all the context of it, you'll understand that most of what they were learning on Mount Horeb was not for Mount Horeb. Everything God was teaching them on the mountain was for the promised land. Every law he gave them, they gave, he gave them like 600 and something laws. You, you, in the, you read it in the Old Testament. He gave them all of them laws, and none of them applied to where they were. Do you know, do you know how it's like, it's like going to Lamar's class and not being pregnant? I'm just going to sit here for the enjoyment of it. I'm never going to use this stuff. Right? Nobody wants to do that. If they don't pursue and go to the promised land, they've just sat in class for no reason at all. They've learned all this information, but they're never going to get to use it because it was not for where they are. You say, well how, well, how do you know? Even in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 12, it says, these are the statutes and the judgments which you shall carefully observe in the land which the Lord your God has given you. What's he going to say? All this stuff I just taught you is not for here. It's for there. Most of the laws that they were being taught pertain to once they entered the promised land. That, that even, even when they were building the tabernacle and they were building all the furnishings to that, you know what? Everything was mobile. They didn't build a building like this. They were having church. On, uh, everything was set up and tear down every week. Everything, their altars, their, their staff, everything had a place to, to put a pole in it. Why? So they could pick the poles up and carry it to where they were supposed to go because they were not made for there. But they were learning stuff there. They were being taught stuff there. And so you have to, there's a balance here because if you skip this step, you still never get to the promised land. And there's a lot of people who want to skip the preparation period and just get to the purpose. And you cannot skip preparation and get purpose. You have to go through preparation to receive purpose. And so you see the balance because I can't get stuck in my preparation period, but I can't skip it either. And so, so what happens is you get a young guy who's got a call on his life, you get a purpose, and then Moses says, uh, what's my job? I want to be, I want to be, what, I want to do something in the promised land. Oh, okay, I got the perfect job for you. Go make poles. I don't want to make poles, but we need them. And if we're going to go to the promise, we have to have the poles. And so, uh, well, I got a call on my life. I want to, I want to lead worship. Okay, stack chairs. I don't want to stack chairs. But you don't get to sit on platforms unless you learn to. St you know what the number one prerequisite for being in ministry is? Stacking chairs. I've been in ministry 15 years. You know what I do at least once a week? <laughs> Stack chairs. But you, 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 you understand what I'm trying to teach you is there are certain things that you can't, you can't skip. And I want to tell you, often it's the stuff that seems minimal or menial that God uses the most to prepare you for the purpose. And it's the things in your life you're trying to skip over that God says you're never going to get there unless you go through this. You're never going to attain that unless you fulfill this moment. And so you have, you have people making poles because, because they have to, that everything is transportable. Everything is not made for here. How about you? Is it, is it your time? Have you been learning and preparing for so long that you're ready to find out what it's all been for? Because I can guarantee you that the day the guy who made the poles carried the altar into the promised land, he said, I'm so glad I made these poles. I'm so glad I, I, I'm so glad I didn't, I'm so glad, I know there was one day I wanted to cut that one short because I was tired and ready to go home, but it wouldn't have been long enough to carry this there. And so I'm so glad I didn't, I'm so glad I didn't quit early. I just kept doing it. And you, but are you, 
or you've been in a preparation season, you say, I want to know what it's all about. I want to, I want to know, I want to know what it's all about. You see, Uncle Ben in the in the great theological film Spider Man unknowingly references that was a joke, okay? I'm not being a hypocrite. But unknowingly he references Jesus when he says, With great power comes great responsibility. Jesus said, To whom much is given, much is expected. And and can I tell you this? With much responsibility comes much preparation. The bigger your purpose, the more the preparation. And you should prepare. You should pray. You should read. You should go to college. You should should do all of those. You should educate yourself. You should get a mentor. You should join a life group. You should get in a Bible study. You should prepare. You should prepare at every facet, at every opportunity. But you should prepare with moving in mind. Because purpose, purpose takes preparation, but purpose is progressive. What does that mean? Progressive means that you are moving from one place to another, from one point of learning to another. Israel has traveled three months to Mount Hor. According to, excuse me, according to research, as the crow flies, that's about 193 miles from Egypt. So they've traveled three months. As a, crow, as a crow flies, they've traveled 193 miles. Now, probably didn't take the same path the crow did. So it may have took them a little longer, but for sake of solid numbers, we're going to say they've been 193 miles. They've traveled 193 miles, and over that 193 miles, they have been experiencing God's grace and his provision on the mountain. Everything is good. Everything is what they wanted it to be except one problem. They still have 235 miles to go to the promised land. So they've traveled 193 miles. The mountain was good. It's a great experience, but it's not their purpose. And they are still 235 miles away from the purpose. And can I tell you, good will always be the enemy to great. It's, now, that's not, a, that's not an original thought. There's another guy who wrote a book and made a lot more money off of it. But it's still the truth for us today. Good will always be the enemy to great. And what was, what was happening to them in this moment is they are, trying, they are fighting the temptation. Do I settle for a good place or do I go to the great place? Because the mountain's good, but the promised land is great. Right? And it's going to be the temptation we all face in all of our lives because the enemy is always, if he, listen, if he can't keep you lost, he'll keep you lazy. And, and so what he's always going to try to do is get you to settle. I can't, I can't keep them lost, so I'm going to keep them lazy, and I'm going to give them a good thing. And if they just get comfortable and they just like it like that and, and they, they, this, is, this works for me, and I, I, it's good. It's not necessarily great, but it's not necessarily that bad. So I'll just get comfortable right here. And good will always be the enemy to greatest the temptation. You will have to fight the rest of your life to never settle when God has more for you. That's what they are facing. And, and, and so the mountain was a good place, but the promised place was great. And too often we settle for good when God has great in store. And here's the reality. God knew Israel's tendency to get stuck. He knows his children. He knows his people. They were slaves in Egypt. But how did that come about? How did that come about? Because Egypt had not always been a bad place for Israel. It wasn't, it wasn't always a terrible spot. 
There was a, in the Old Testament, there was a severe famine in the land, and Israel found refuge in the resources of Egypt. You can read it through the life of Joseph, and so I don't have time to go through all of the historical context of it, but what happened is Israel needed to be provided for, and Egypt had the resource to provide them, so they relocated to Egypt, and what, what was a blessing became a curse because they stayed too long. Because they got stuck. They got comfortable. This is nice. We like it here. There's food here. There's no food back where we come from. And so, and so for some of us, it's not that where you are is bad. It's just not that it's, where, it's not where God has for you. That, that, that God's intention was not for you to stay here. And so he has to disrupt and he has to prod. Because where we are is not where we're supposed to stay. And, and, and so... If you get stuck in one if you get stuck in one season, you can miss the next season of your life. I remember before so for those of you who don't know my story, a little over three years ago we moved to Cape Girardeau. We joined the staff there at Cape First. And before that, I pastored in the Boot Hill. I pastored down in a little town called Carruthersville. Some of you may have heard of it. And I pastored there for four and a half years. And I remember in that season between the end of 2015 to the beginning of 2016, and I was really struggling in my spirit. Because, you know, most of the time when pastors leave, I won't say most of the time, but but several times you'll hear pastors, it was just a nightmare. Everything was bad and everything wasn't, well, you know, I was ready to go. That wasn't our story. If God had told me to move two years earlier, I'd have been like, adios amigos. Because, But we'd went through some pain. We went through some hard hug. Most people in my church liked me at that point. It was pretty nice. I was like, man, we got, the church is growing. We're baptizing people. People are getting saved. All the people I've been trying to minister to are starting to show up. It's a, and God says to move. And I said, God, couldn't we have done this back then? Because I like it here now. But God, I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you stay here, not only are you out of the will of God, but you're going to keep somebody else out of the will of God. Because if I've called you to leave, I've called somebody else to come. And you can get stuck. And if you get stuck in one season, you'll miss the next season. And so God tells Israel, not again. You're not going to get stuck again. You got stuck in Egypt for a long time. We're not doing that. We're not getting stuck on the mountain. It's time to move forward because your purpose is in front of you. And purpose is progressive. I knew I knew at 15 years old I was called to preach the gospel. I did not know that at age 30 it would lead me here in front of you guys. I didn't know. I didn't know the plan. I didn't know what it all looked like. I just, you know, you know what it started off as. Uh, it started off as a Carmen drama. You got to call God in your life. Join the drama team. We'll do Carmen. If you've not done, if you are around the age of thirty and have not done a Carmen video, we'll educate you at some point. All right. And then, it was, and then it was now Behold the Lamb because that became popular, right? And then if you were in one of those really uh, uh, relevant churches, you started doing that Lifehouse song that was kind of secular. We weren't really sure if it was saved or not. But it, and so that's what it, and then, then, then they said, um, hey, Chad, can you start helping out with the Sunday school class? Yeah, I'll help out with the Sunday school class. And, and I, didn't know, I, didn't, I didn't know it was all going to lead to purpose. I just knew it was this, I just took the next step. It was the opportunity that was in front of me. And then God tricked me into going to Bible college. 
How did he trick you into going to Bible college? I did not go to Bible college to get a theology degree. I went because I got a scholarship to play baseball. And so I went, and then I got there, and God and, and God said, uh, um, you need to change your major. We're gonna, I'm going to show you some things for your life. And, um, and God tricked me. He got me there, and so I changed my major. And, uh, and then I became a missionary for four years because it was a Baptist Bible college, and I was Pentecostal. And so that's a joke, okay? It's a joke. Just kidding. <laughs> If it, if it works, if it does work and you feel compelled, I have student loans that we can raise support for, um, for that missions opportunity that I had. And, but but then I remember being at the Baptist College, and, and I was the only Pentecostal kid there, and, and they had a student-led worship service on Tuesday night, and I, they wouldn't let me lead it because I was Pentecostal, right? And we don't need you to get up there clucking like a chicken and scaring everybody off. We're not going to do none of that. And so I was, Whatever, I'm not going to do that. So I'll just, uh, well, but they won't let me preach here, but this other little church called, and so I just, I'll take that step, and I'll take it, and the youth revival comes, and I just started taking steps and taking the opportunities, didn't know where it was going to lead, didn't know the purpose that it was going to lead to. I just started, and then the next thing I know, I'm a senior, and they, the guy they wouldn't let lead became the guy that was leading. They, they noticed, and they let me lead, and, and I started, and I just kept taking steps, and I kept taking steps, and then I graduated, and I thought, man, I am experienced. I have a degree. I can preach a little bit. I, I'm going to get a great job. I'm going to become a pastor somewhere, and I didn't. I worked for Raven Tire for a year outside of Bible college, and, and my sectional presbyter kept calling me, and he'd say, oh, can you go preach at this small church in, like, Monette, Arkansas, and can you come preach in Truman? And, hey, Chad, I need you to go preach at Luxor, First Assembly of God in Luxor, Arkansas. I don't want to go to Luxor. There's eight people at Luxor, First Assembly of God, and they're all 70 years old and older, and every time they go, we go to worship, they get up, and they sing the same four songs, and they stop in the middle of the second one, and they say, it's the wrong key. We need to start over. And I'm sitting on the front row thinking, they've been singing these songs for the last 47 years. How come they cannot hit the right key by now? I, and then the worship leader get up, and she would say, this is not my job. I'm just filling in. And one Sunday morning at Luxor, that little spunky old lady that sat in front of me turned around and said, she's been doing it for six years. I don't know when she's going to realize this is now her job. And so I just, I, but I just kept going. I kept preaching at Luxor or first assembly of God and I'd take my family and we'd have revival because we doubled attendance on Sunday morning and and you know and, and every little church and I didn't know where it was going to lead to. I did not know that one day the little church in Crothersville would call me and say, uh, would you come fill in our pastor Oh, and I'd do that for a season, and then I'd feel the Holy Spirit prod me, and I'd turn in a resume, and I would say, this don't make sense, God. I'm 22 years old. They're all as old as my grandparents, but if you want me to do it, I'll do it. And I remember on that first Sunday, I got voted in on 100%, Pastor Dwight, but we only had 22 voting members, so I'm not sure that's something to be proud of. But I got voted in on 100%, and I remember thinking, if we have 40 people at the end of the year, then we will have doubled. And at the end of that year, we had almost 200 people in services. We baptized over 300 people in a four-and-a-half-year span, and I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know that I would get escalated. I didn't know I'd preach in places like this. All I know is that I just kept taking the steps that were in front of me, and purpose is progressive, and I came all the way to Bloomfield today to tell somebody it's been 193 miles, but I got 235 more miles to go because there is more purpose in front of me. And when you say, we you say, Chad, I'm not 30, and I've built a lot more life than you have. I need, I need a Caleb who at 85 will stand today and say, I'm as strong today as I was all the way back then. Give me my mountain. You have more, you have more purpose in front of you. Purpose is progressive. Purpose is 
purpose is progressive. And I want to tell you, it's never, purpose is never totally attained. It's always pursued. You have more to do. How do you know? <gasps> if you've got breath in your lungs, God's not done with you yet. And you have not fully reached the potential of all that God has for you. You have to. I'm not saying where you are isn't good. I'm just saying it's not the fulfillment of it. And I want to say this to you. Purposeful moments do not mean that you have completely fulfilled your purpose. Purposeful moments do not mean that you have completely fulfilled your purpose. And so God shows up to Israel and says, it's time to go. Mountain's good, but you can't stay here. Time to move. And he gives them a pronouncement to proceed. What I appreciate about God is that he will always push us towards our purpose. God told the children of Israel on Mount Horeb, this is not the promise. There is more for you. And God pronounces that it is time to proceed. It is time to move forward. It is time to pursue the purpose. Don't get stuck. Don't get stagnant. And don't stay in a place that isn't your destiny. It's time to move. He tells Israel, take the land. Go take the land that I promised. You've been sitting in slavery, and you have settled long enough, and don't you dare do what the generations prior to you have done. You go take the land. You go move forward. Don't you, don't you dare get stuck. And I just feel the Holy Spirit prompting that into somebody's heart today. Don't you dare get stuck. Don't you dare settle. Don't you dare sell yourself short. God has designed you, and he has purposed you, and he has promised you for more. And don't you dare stay where you are. He tells Israel, it's time to move. Worship, if you'll help me. At one point, in closing, I want to share this story. At one point, 12 of the men actually made the 235-mile journey. 12 of the, men, 12 of the men went in as spies into the land of Canaan. You may have heard the story in Numbers. 12 of the men go in as spies. Uh, Shema, Shaphat, looks like Snapchat if you read it in the Bible. Caleb, Eagle, Joshua, Patel, some other guys that their mom should have named them shorter names, Emil, Sether. Right. There's these 12 groups of guys. There's 12 individuals. And Moses sends them on an exploratory journey to see how good the promised land actually is. God promised it. I think it's going to be awesome. But let's go check it out. And so he sends 12 spies. And you can read the entire of the story in Numbers chapter 13. But in verse 27 of Numbers 13, they come back and they told him, the 12 spies come back and they tell Moses, we went to the land that you sent us to. We've, we traveled 235 miles there and 235 miles back. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible says they told him it truly flows with milk and honey. And then he shows them the fruit. They said, this is the fruit. And nevertheless, the people, and so they're in conversation after the journey, and they said, it flows with milk and honey. It's incredible. But nevertheless, the people who dwell on the land, they are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. 
Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. We saw what the descendants of Anak was a giant, and they saw his, his family there. And he's, there's really, really big people there. But in verse 30, Caleb, Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. What does he tell Moses? He says, don't listen to these guys. Yeah, it's all true, but we got a promise, and we, we know our purpose. But unfortunately, we read in verse 31, the men who gone up with Caleb said, we are not able. We are not able to go up against the people. You see, it's a difference in mindset. And if you want to ever fulfill you, I've never said this before, so I really feel like this is the Holy Spirit saying this to somebody. It's the difference in mindset. And if you want to fulfill your purpose, you're going to have to have a mindset like Caleb and not the other ten. Because Caleb said that, he, he said, we are well able to overcome. And they said, no, we're not able. And you have to have a confidence in what God has said to you and the promise that he has spoken to you. And Caleb had that confidence, but the other guys didn't. And they said, we saw giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. Twelve, twelve men made the 235-mile trek. Twelve men saw the fulfillment of the promise. They had been on Mount Horeb, and they had saw the goodness of God there. But, but on an exploratory journey, they took, they took a trip based upon the command of their leader, Moses, and they went into the promised land, and they saw the fulfillment of the promise. They experienced the purpose of the Exodus. They walked into Canaan, and they saw a land that flows with milk and honey, and they realized in that moment all the plagues were for this right here. When the, when the Red Sea split, all of that, every, it was all so we could get here. They saw the fulfillment. And 12 men, Joshua and Caleb were two, and then the other 10. 12 of them, 12 of them in old age had a story to tell. In old age, 12 of them had a story to tell. And 10 of them, I can just imagine as they got a little older, 10 of them, they sat down at their dinner table. Their wife was there and their, their kids, and now they're, they're older, so their grandkids, their grandkids, and this is my holy imagination, so you just track with me for a minute. But, but 12, the, the, the 10 of them sit down, they, their wife, their kids, they're, they're older now, so their grandkids sit down, and, and maybe, maybe one of the grandchildren do like what I used to do with my grandpa when I was little, and I say, Grandpa, tell me a story about when you were younger. Tell me about when you were little. And, 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 and those 10 guys, they sit down with their grandkids, and they say, you know, one time we went on a journey. We went 235 miles one way. We saw we saw a land that flowed with the milk and honey. We'd never seen anything like it in our lives. The grapes were so big, they had to, they had to, they had to put them on a, on a pole and carry them over their shoulder. It was, it was awesome. I wish you could have seen it. It was incredible. Ten of them tell that story. And then two of them. Joshua and Caleb, they sit down at their dinner table. Their wives are here and their kids are here and their grandkids are around. And you got 10 
who say, I remember when I saw it. And you got two who look at their family and say, I told you the grapes were awesome. For years I've been telling you that it flowed with milk and honey. You, for years I've been telling you the story of how awesome this is and now you see the fulfillment of what I've been promising you and I don't know about you but I know for my life if I have a choice to make and I have a decision to play I don't want to be part of the ten I want to be part of the two I don't want to look back over the history of my life and say I wish that I had believed and I wish that I had pursued I want to be one of the two that says isn't it awesome to be in the middle of the purpose and to see the promise. What about you? What about you? Twelve saw it, but only two experienced it. And I want to be the two. I want to, I want all that God has for me. It is the word of the Lord for you today that it's time to move I don't know I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to project my opinion onto your life or not trying to make you see it from my perspective I'm just asking you a question is the word of the Lord for you today that it's time to move don't you dare get stuck as with any journey there are risks you may have to live outside of your comfort zone. You may have to say goodbye to some relationships. You may have to make some new friends. And you, you may be called to take a new responsibility. But with the risk, there is also a great reward. Because it's only by leaving Mount Horeb that you can experience the promised land. And it's only going to be by moving from where you are and taking a step of faith. Well, Chad, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't either. I didn't know that a Carmen drama at 11 years old at Dogskin Church of God down on the gravel road in the Pemiscot County was ever going to lead me. I didn't know that one day I'd preach in foreign countries. I didn't know that one day I'd get to come and do things like that. I didn't know any of that. Uh, uh, but but, but, but well, well, I want to know it all. The Bible never says you can know it all. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And if you can't see it, you are exactly where God wants you to be. You just have to have faith. Take a step. And I believe the Lord is telling us, telling you now's the time. And just like he gave Israel a pronouncement to proceed, you have stayed here long enough. I feel the Holy Spirit prompting some of you in this room with the same thing. If you'll stand all across the room with me. Here's... Here's what I feel in this moment. I'm going to have the worship team sing. They're going to play. I'm not going to count to three. I'm not going to do a whole lot of stuff like I would usually do. I'm just going to, I'm going to give you an invitation this morning. And if you are here and you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you, the Holy Spirit has an elbow. And you probably feel it in this moment. He's probably getting you right about here. And if you feel that for the lack of a better terminology, if you feel the gnawing of the Holy Spirit and something's eating at you right now and you know that He's speaking to you, I'm going to ask you to come all across this room. I want you to make your way to this altar and I want you to begin to promise God and declare to God that you will fulfill your purpose. If that's you, I'm not going to count. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to open up an invitation. If that's you today and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, now's your time. Come and spend some time in the presence of God.